little miraculous moments show up that remind you that God does hear you, that God is paying attention, that every time you call out to heaven, God picks up the call. I, I can't get over how handsome that guy is on stage. Good night. It's, it's, it's not like looking at him. It's so weird. Oh, my goodness. It's a church for senior citizens. That's when I look at that man, I go, that, that, is, that is a silver devil right there. Good night. Anyway, glad you're with us at West Winds. Glad to be back to T-shirts and tattoos. Praise God. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, this, this is a little, more, a little more comfortable. This is where the Lord lives. And we're looking at our, our last message, our last everything for 2018. And before we do that, we just want to take some time. And, and first off, I want to say thank you. Uh, I, was, I was blown away and have been blown away repeatedly um, by your love and support as we announced the opening of the Chapter House, this, this side project that I'm doing to train pastors here in Jackson. And, and I've, I've never felt in my entire life um, such a sense of, of family and community from my church as I have from all of you uh, over the last couple of months. It's, it's, it's really, I know this sounds dumb, but you're the 830 crowd, so you get the unfiltered version. But it, it, for, the, for the first time, I feel like I go to church instead of just help everybody else go to church because the way you've treated me, uh, the way you've responded to my family, the way, the way you've interacted with me personally feels like what I'm always telling you church should be like. And so to be on the receiving end of that uh, uh, is, is you, church is so cool. <laughs> we must love it here. <laughs> it's, it's just really, it's really neat. So, and thank you. And then the, the, the Christmas Eve offering toward the Chapter House Project was, was really generous, the, the, the most generous Christmas Eve offering we've ever had. And that, like, all, all of that translates to me um, as, as love, as you just saying, hey, Dave, we're, we're with you. We care about what you're doing. We're, we're glad you're our pastor, and, and thanks for not leaving. So fr from me to you. Man, that means the world. This is so cool. Um, I'm rambling, but thank you. All right. All right. Thank you. That's it. Yeah. Clap so then I get a breather and I'll think about the next thing I have to say. So we do want to give an offering today to Westwinds. And, and this has been a great year for our church. And, and little by little, day by day, week by week, the, the habits that we put into place, the disciplines that we put into place, like giving, like praying, like studying the scripture, man, that's what, that's what adds up to being a great church and having a great year. So God bless you for it. This is your last chance. Ushers, you come forward. Let me pray, um, and then we'll get into to the teaching for this morning. Father, thank you um, for the privilege of, of being here, of, right here, not just church in general, but, but right here at Westwinds this morning um, at, at 844, because we know, Lord, that you're ready to speak to us. We know that you're ready to open up our perceptions and open up our spirits and change the way we engage with the world, sometimes dramatically and sometimes incrementally. Lord, we just know that we're, we are works in progress, and you are excited about that progress, and so are we. So we give, Lord, because we love you and we bless you. Amen. Amen. Now, for the last, oh gosh, five Sundays, I have not preached longer than ten minutes. Uh, and so this could, this could feel wild, and this could feel really long. Like if I preach... 22 minutes, you're going to feel like I'm really stretching it. So you gotta, you got to limber up because, you know, I got some good stuff for you. I didn't slouch this week in my preparation. You better not slouch in your consumption. So um, we're here at the end of the new year or at the end of, of the year, and this is always a time for reflection, of course. This is a time where people begin to think about the new year, new me uh, stuff. And I really look at, at 
the end of the year, and I'm always asking two questions. Um, what have I done, and who do I want to be? And sometimes th those questions are asked with different inflection, right? Oh, God, what have I done? <laughs> like, like when you say something stupid, when, when you do a bad job with something, oh, oh God, what have I done? <laughs> and, and sometimes there's a sense of accomplishment. Oh, God, what, look at what I've done. Look, what a great year. What a, what a great thing. And, and we realize that our behaviors, our disciplines, our habits, our practices actually shape the people we're becoming. We are different at the end of 2018 than we were at the end of 2017 because of the things that we did and because of the things in which we were involved because they shape us, they form us. And so as we look ahead to 2019, then we're asking, well, wh who do I want to be? What do I want to do? Where do I want to invest myself? And what do I want to see and cooperate with God as he unfolds the future with and around and for me? So there are three scriptures from Jeremiah that I want to share with you today. Um, that at different seasons in my life, God first, you know, sort of woke me up to. And I keep coming back to them again and again and again. Because these are, these are like defining scriptures for God's plan for my life and, and for your life. So the first one is Jeremiah chapter 1, where, where God speaks to the prophet Jeremiah and says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, what's true for Jeremiah is also true for you and I. We're not necessarily a prophet to the nations in the way that he was, but, but before God ever formed you, he knew you. And he knew you specifically, not you in general. He, he knows you. And this, I've studied the Bible extensively. You know Malcolm Gladwell's little 10,000 hours? If you have 10,000 hours of devoted applied discipline in any subject, then you're considered an expert. I'm, I'm an expert multiple times over in the scripture. And I can tell you, there is not one story in here that's repeated again and again and again. Like when you read the story of Jeremiah, it's different than the story of Ezekiel. It's different than the story of Elijah. That's different even than the story of John the Baptist, who's supposed to be like Elijah. The story of Jesus is different than the story of David. And though there are some similarities, some crossovers, some themes, fundamentally, the plot line, the character, the sacrifices, the experiences, the ordeals of every single story in the scripture is different. God knew you in all your differences, in all your uniqueness, in all your peculiarities, in all your peccadillos. God knew you before he ever formed you. And this is what blows my mind. We have a little saying at West Winds that we, we never repeat an idea, right? I think maybe we get that from God. God never repeats an idea. And, and here's how this idea plays out. We, in our minds... We tend to think that we're um, like archetypes or we're like formulas or we, we start to hear little voices in our minds that tell us, oh, I, I know what this is like. I know how this is going to go. For example, um, I'm the youngest son in a family. And so we know that there's youngest born children have, have certain personality traits. And so when I do something that's gregarious or outlandish or, or whatever, then, then you go, oh, that's, that's me. I'm the, the youngest son. We also know that youngest sons typically are the goof-offs who don't care about anything and don't accomplish anything. So in the back of my mind, then, is this little story that says, oh, here I am, the youngest son, just goofing off, wasting my life, 
not doing anything that matters. And, and in my mind, I'm slipping into a formula. I'm slipping into a pattern. Well, I'll give you another example. I am technically, this is hilarious, a millennial. L look at me. <laughs> so, and so, so if I do something, man, if I, if I sleep in, that's not a good example because I don't do that. But hypothetically, let's say I slept in one day past 8 o'clock. Well, then I go, well, that, that's me, a millennial, no ambition, just wasting away while everybody else is working hard. And there's a little tape that plays in my head that says, you're, you're doing what, I'll give you a better example. There are all kinds of little formulas, little archetypes, little repeated ideas that, that, that we're telling ourselves, that we're dooming ourselves, that we're prophesying ourselves to falling into. Oh, I'm, I'm a pastor with tattoos. I guess I have to be a shock jock. And we have a well-constructed idea of what a shock jock is supposed to be like. Well, well. I, I don't want to do that. We have a well-constructed idea of what a um, successful CEO-like pastor is, is supposed to be. Well, I, I don't want to do that either. Maybe you have a well-constructed idea of what it's like to be divorced or widowed or stuck in a dead-end job. And when you realize that you're falling into these patterns, you start to imagine how the future is going to go and you doom yourself thinking, I'm just one of them. I'm just one of those. I'm such a cliche. Here I am with my dad bod, falling asleep in front of the news, drinking my Diet Coke, and thinking about the glory days. You have these formulas that play out in your mind that shrink you, that reduce you, that oversimplify you, that rob you of the fact that you are the only person like you ever in the history of the universe. That before God formed you in the womb, he knew you. He knew that you would defy conventions. He knew that you would not fit in. He knew that you would not be constrained to the stupid inanity, the dumb stories, the tired lives that the whole rest of the world wants to fit you in. You're not a cliche. You're not just like everybody else. You're not a spinster. You're not a hipster. You're not a millennial. You're not a disappointment. You're not a dud. You're not done. You're not over. Before God formed you in the womb, he knew you. God is still creating you. God still has dreams for you. God still has desires for you that more and more and more when you press into them, you realize your story's not over just because you're 16 or 65. You're not done. You're just getting started. And when I read the stories in the scripture, because none of them are ever the same, I realize, man, I, I don't even know how my story is going to end. All I know is that God is up there in heaven looking down at me going, oh, Davey, this is going to be good, buddy. Here we go. Game on. And it's going to be different for me than it is for you. And the most important thing you can acknowledge is that if you'll wake up to what God is saying to you, what God is doing to you, you're not stuck, you're not trapped, your life is not on rails or on tracks. There is adventure that you don't even understand. Well, that's good preaching. All right. Now, how does God form us and shape us? 
through experience. Life is God's curriculum. Whatever comes at you, whatever you experience, good, bad, right, wrong, easy, smooth, arduous, difficult, hilarious, embarrassing, boring, whatever it is, man, God is growing you through that. He grows us intensely through seasons of pressure, difficulty, striving, or ordeal. He also grows us intensely through seasons of laughter and joy and gratitude. The point is that we've got to wake up to the life we're living right now. So here's uh, Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 3. If you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with the horses? Okay, let's just stop right there. Think about that. You got, you got life in all its glory and wonder, and a lot of times the life you're living, man, it, it, feels, it feels like a lot. It feels like a lot. This year was a lot for me. Took me right to the edge of what I could handle. And there was a moment earlier this fall where I was sitting talking with some of our elders, and we're launching the Chapter House Project. We have, we have two working, ambitious adults in my home. We have two crazy, ambitious, excited children in our home. My daughter got hit with a mysterious illness. I've been suffering through an injury since Memorial Day. And we had, of course, all kinds of stresses and pressures at the church and some really painful pastoral things where people really needed their pastor. And I was there for them. And I was sitting and talking with two of our elders. And they said, how are you doing? I said, I'm exhausted. This, I don't even know what happened to me this year. And they said, are you going to be okay? I said, I can do more. I can do more. Because if, if you've raced with men on foot and they've weird you, how can you expect to run with the horses? I realized in that moment, man, I've been racing with men on foot, but that's not all I want to do. That's not all you want to do. You've got these dreams, these hopes, these plans. And you're looking around feeling tired because you worked, you know, 65 hours this week. You're feeling tired because your children keep calling you. You're feeling tired because you can't get to the gym. You're feeling tired because you don't have time to make a meal. And then you realize, wait a minute, running with human beings is making me tired. But God made me for more than that. God made you for more than that. He didn't make you to plod through life. He made you to gallop. Froth coming out your mouth, going crazy. That's what God has for you. And we get so in love with thinking about how tired we are, how stressed out we are, how beleaguered we are. How, oh, you don't know how hard it is. Well, shut up with your heart. What you want to do? You want to sit there and be tired or do you want to run with the horses? Do you want to go? Because the truth is God is going to loan you strength. God is going to loan you passion. God is going to loan you perspective that you don't have, that he's going to give you so you can experience more of what he has designed for your future. But if you just keep thinking about how weary you are, you ain't going to do nothing. you got to think about all the dreams, those secret little hopes you've been nurturing, those godly imaginings of a better future, of a better job, of a better family, of better physical health, of more enjoyment out of life. 
creative endeavors, artistic pursuits, innovations, imaginations, patents, businesses, startups. I mean, God is putting that stuff in you. Those are your horses that God is calling you to run with. So you got to make a choice about whether or not you're just going to feel tired or whether or not you're going to go. This is your year to go. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Now, this, of course, requires a shift in your perspective. And rather than looking at your life and looking at all the things that you're experiencing as uh, trials or ordeals or persecutions, tribulations, sufferings, but no, think about it as training. Training. I remember a couple years ago, uh, somebody was mad about the music that we were doing at Westlands. Um, and it's hard, it's so hard to imagine. I can't, I can't even remember those times. I have to force myself. But, you know, once upon a time, there were people who really wanted us to have, you know, like traditional churchy music. And I, I can't, like, when I hear that now, I, 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 it's like I'm in a time machine, you know. But that used to be such a contentious issue. So somebody here at Westlands was mad that, you know, our music was too uh, raucous, too aggressive. Now, if anybody gets mad about the music, you know, it's because of the ringtone. But <laughs> now, now, if anybody gets mad about the music, it's because it's not raucous enough. You know, we got all kinds of senior citizens here. It's just that they put on Woodstock, you know, so they're not looking for anything quiet and sedate, you know. So once upon a time, in a galaxy far, far away, this lady comes to see me, and she's mad about the music. I don't know why she's coming to me. It's not my music. I'm not making it, and I certainly don't want it to be wimpier, you know. And I realized in that moment, as I was tempted to just ignore her and write her off and say, you know, you're not going to be happy here. Go somewhere else. Um, I thought, wait a minute. This is a great opportunity for me. Because I can use this lady as practice. I can practice being patient in a situation that really doesn't matter to me. I can practice extending love and grace because there, there's no risk. You know, she already doesn't like me. She already doesn't like, what, what have I got to lose? I've already lost. So I can practice being loving, being forgiving, being patient with her so that when it does matter, when the stakes are high, I've already got my reps in. When somebody does come after me and, and, and it's because of a misunderstanding or and I do really love them and I do really care about them and I need to reconcile with them, I've... I've already got practice for how to overlook an offense. I've got practice for how to forgive when somebody else misbehaves. I've got more love for people because I decided to just love this lady who wasn't really somebody I would have normally done that with. See, all of your life is training. And so you might be at the grocery store and you go, man, why do I have to put up with this idiot in front of me? And you think, well, at some point you're going to have to put up with an idiot you like. So why not just practice on them so that when you need to control yourself, it's not the first time you've ever tried. And I remember this, uh, uh, without getting too much into it, I suffered a, a, an injury of, of, of related to my spine earlier this year. And, and the pain was so bad, and it's been so confusing and so frustrating. We've been to all kinds of doctors, and it's just a mess. And I, I kept wondering, like, God, what does this mean for me? This is so, this is such a distraction. Um, 
And then my, my daughter got sick, and I thought, this is the first good thing about my injury is that I can relate to the pain my daughter is having. And in that moment, I was so grateful for my own injury because it gave me empathy. And I thought all the, all the ways, all the times that I was biting my lip and taking my medication and gutting it out and wondering why, 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 now, now I, can, I can do this with her. This is why. Not that God caused it, just that now God can redeem it. See, it's, it's perspective, man. If you're going to run with the horses, then you've got to find a way to look at your ordinary life, your everyday experiences, the hard ones, the good ones, and realize this is training. This is how I get strong for the things I really want. For the things I really want. Last scripture, Jeremiah 29. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens, eat their produce. Take wives, have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. Uh, when I moved from Vancouver to Jackson, I had all kinds of culture shock. And it, it's true. It's true. Um, and my, my friends would always tease me about being in exile, you know, my, my friends from home. And they would always say, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? Now I have friends in Seattle and I have friends in Portland, friends in San Diego. And, and they always say to me, hey, man, when are you, you going to move here and start a church? When, why don't you come over here? And then I have colleagues, and they'll give me job offers, and, hey, why don't you come to Manhattan or South Africa or whatever, and, hey, why, why don't you come over here? Why don't you leave? Why don't you leave? Why don't you leave? But then I think of this scripture, and the Lord has rooted it in me. And the scripture, in essence, says, why do you want to leave? This is your life. Build it. Live it. Enjoy it. Don't wait for life. Just live it now. It's a scripture that literally means, what are you waiting for? Why are you always looking to be somewhere else? Why are you always looking to have something else? Why are you always looking to abandon your life in favor of a different life somewhere else? Why are you looking to abandon your wife? Why are you looking to abandon your family? Why are you looking to abandon your city? Why don't you just grow? Why don't you just get better? Why don't you just make it better? Seek the welfare of your marriage. And as it increases, so will you. Seek the welfare of your job. And as your job, your place of employment is blessed, you'll be blessed too. And seek the welfare of your church. Seek the welfare of Jackson, of Concord, of Hillsdale. Seek the welfare of your job. I mean, grow, bless, love, fertilize, 
make it better. That's such a powerful, powerful way to live. I, I like to live as though I'm the little like button on Facebook. You know, I just think, can I, can I, can I plus one this circumstance? Can I plus one this person? Can I thumbs up this business? Is there any way in my with with my presence right now that I can that I can help? Is there any way I can make it better? That that's how I'm living my life. That's how you want to live your life. Because I tell you, I mean, you'd be happier. You'd be more fulfilled. You'd be more connected. You'd feel like God's speaking to you more and more all the time. And you just walk into any room and think, what can I do to just love somebody? See, here's the thing. Too often we think life is meant to be comfortable. And when we're uncomfortable, we're disappointed. But the truth is, I mean, you know you're not supposed to be comfortable. That, That sounds boring anyway, but we don't know what the alternative is, because we think it's either comfortable or uncomfortable, you know, dull or sucky, these are the two options that we give ourselves, but why don't you think instead about life being lived thoroughly, life being lived deeply, so whatever you got going on right now, man, enter into it inhabit it, live in it, and then build from it. So you think, well, you don't know, man. I got this, Dave, I got this problem with my back. I got this thing with my hip. I got this thing with my heart. Well, yeah, let's start there. That means you're going to be in hospital rooms. That means you're going to be visiting people. That means you're going to have nurses. Is it possible that instead of complaining to your nurse, you could bless your nurse? Oh, David hurts. Oh, yeah, like you're the only one that got pain. Listen, I'm in hospitals all the time. I know what Christians look like. I know when I visit hospitals and I see nurses that attend Westwinds, I know, I know how hard their jobs are. And when they get a good patient, man, that changes everything. So you're sick. Does that mean you can't do nothing? No, it means you can bless and serve and love people through and with your sickness. Maybe you can encourage somebody in the hospital bed next to you. Maybe you can encourage the staff. Dave, you don't understand, man. I hate my job. It's so dull. Oh, me too. <laughs> it doesn't matter what your job. Maybe you're driving truck. Maybe you're teaching school. There are endless opportunities for you to build, to grow, to inhabit to seek the welfare and the well-being of the people around you. And when you realize that you're not you're not running away from your life, you're living it, then you can start right now. Living the life you want, doing the things you want, becoming the person God has designed you to become, totally free and open to the adventure of God's spirit because ain't nobody ever been you before. And now you get to figure out how it works. Now, there's a lot of things that we're still figuring out at Westwinds, but this one thing I am 8 million percent sure we got right. God has come to give you life. Life. And life more abundant. That's what God does. God makes things live. And when we look around at our world, so many people are terrible at living. 
They live badly. I don't mean they're cruel. I mean they're dull. They're not immoral. They're inane. They're not wicked. They're wasting their lives. But not you. Not anymore. But as I've been talking, God's been speaking to you. Distracting you from me so that he can speak to you directly. And he's telling you, there's something, some way of being, some way of living, some way of dreaming, some projects, some plans, some ambition. There's something that God is saying to you for this year. What is it? Lord, thanks for speaking to us through the scripture, through our friends, through our church, directly to our hearts. We want to listen. So for everybody here that's got an unfulfilled dream, for everybody here that's got an unexplored adventure, an unspoken love, an unuttered promise for everybody here that knows they can be more, they can do more, they can have more in you, because of you, for you, with you, by your spirit, with your strength, for everybody here, Lord. Just help us grow. So that you can enjoy seeing your kids flourish. Amen.